Shalom and welcome to Think Jewish, where we join together to explore divine keys for a better life. This class is based on a Purim teaching of the Rebbe of Blessed Memory, which the Rebbe delivered in 1965. Now, I just want to start off by saying that the Purim teachings, because of the mystical insights to the Purim holiday, are often very deep, very mystical. However, bear, bear along with us, because at the end, this teaching will be well understood and will have the most practical, deep lesson of how to be successful. Let us start with briefly going over the story of Purim as it is told in the book of Esther. Chapter 1. King Ahasuerus throws a party. In his drunken stupor, he orders his queen Vashti to appear before him so that he can show off her beauty. Queen Vashti refuses and King Ahasuerus puts her to death. In chapter 2, King Ahasuerus sobers up and then throws a... beauty contest in order to find a new queen. Esther becomes queen and her uncle Mordechai directs her not to reveal that she is Jewish. Mordechai overhears two of the king's servants plotting to kill the king and he reports this to Queen Esther who reports this to the king. The king tests the food that his servants poisoned, sees that it's true, kills the two servants and writes in his book of recordings that Mordechai saved his life. Chapter 3. King Ahasuerus appoints Haman to greatness, who demands that all bow before him. Mordechai, as a faithful Jew, refuses to bow before anyone other than before God. Haman, all upset, offers to pay King Ahasuerus in order to buy the Jewish people from him so that he may annihilate them. King Ahasuerus declines the money, but gives him the Jewish people to annihilate anyway. Haman throws a lottery in order to decide upon which day to have the Jewish people annihilated, and the lottery falls out to be on the 13th day of the Jewish calendar, month of other. Chapter 4. Mordechai, upon learning of the decree that was sealed with the king's signature ring to annihilate the Jewish people, dresses in a sack with ashes and gathers the Jewish people to pray. Queen Esther learns of this and sends clothing to Mordechai, asking him to change from wearing a sack so that he be allowed to enter into the royal courtyard. Mordechai refuses and sends back to Queen Esther a message of what Haman has planned to do to the Jewish people, asking her to enter before the king and to plead for her people. Queen Esther responds to Mordechai that the law of the palace is that if one appears before the king without being summoned by the king, they are put to death, and that it has been 30 days since she was last summoned by the king. Mordechai tells his niece, Queen Esther, that maybe it is just for this purpose that God has placed her as the queen in order to be able to save her people. Queen Esther directs Mordechai to gather all the Jews together to fast and to pray for her success. Chapter 5 On the third day of Fasting and prayers, Queen Esther enters the throne room and King Ahasuerus reaches out his scepter for her to touch. 
thus pardoning her life for her appearing without being summoned. Queen Esther told Ahasuerus that all she wanted was to have a dinner with the king and with Haman. That night at the dinner, King Ahasuerus again asked Queen Esther, What is it that she wants? And she replied that she wants another dinner for just the three of them. Haman left feeling so delighted when he happened upon Mordechai and saw that while all others bowed to him, Mordechai remained erect. Haman comes from home seething, tells his wife and kids that all his glory is of naught as long as Mordechai is alive. And they all agree that Haman will return to the palace and ask King Ahasuerus to allow him to hang Mordechai immediately instead of waiting the year for the 13th day of the month of Adar. Chapter 6 That night sleep eluded the king. Commentaries explain that Queen Esther has successfully planted doubts and concern into the king's mind about what may be going on between Haman and herself. The king, not being able to sleep, orders his readers to read before him from his book of records, and they happen upon the entry of Mordechai saving the king's life. Upon inquiry, the king is told that he never repaid Mordechai for saving his life. The king asks who is in the courtyard, and he is told that Haman is there. Haman had arrived to ask permission to have Mordechai killed. King Ahasuerus calls in Haman and asks him, what should be done to he who finds favor in the king's eyes? Haman, certain that the king must be talking about him, elaborately describes how a high advisor should have to dress this man in the royal garments and to lead him around on the royal horse, announcing before him, such is done to he who finds favor in the king's eyes. King Ahasuerus orders Haman to immediately do so to Mordechai. Chapter 7 After leading Mordechai around on the royal horse for an entire day, Haman is now rushed to appear for his second dinner with the king and the queen. King Ahasuerus again asks of Queen Esther, What is it that she wants? Queen Esther begs of the king to spare her life and the lives of her people. King Ahasuerus asks, Who is it that is trying to kill you and your people? To which Queen Esther points to Haman and says, an adversary and an enemy, this wicked Haman. Haman is hung on the very gallows that he had prepared for Mordechai. Chapter 8. King Ahasuerus gave over the house and appointment of Haman to Queen Esther, and upon Queen Esther revealing her relationship with Mordechai, the king summoned Mordechai and gave Mordechai his royal signature ring. Mordechai now wrote a new decree, in which the Jewish people would be able to rise up to their enemies that sought to annihilate them. Chapter 9 The thirteenth day of Adar becomes a day of victory for the Jewish people as they defended themselves and retaliated against the enemies who rose up to kill them. Queen Esther defines this holiday of Purim. The word Purim is lottery in the Persian language to commemorate the lottery that Haman drew to decide the day on which he would have the Jewish people annihilated. Thus, the holiday is called Purim. The holiday of Purim is to be celebrated with A. Reading the Megillah, the Book of Esther. B. Giving four pa food packages to friends. And C. Giving money to the poor. And then finally D. Having a festive meal. Chapter 10. Mordechai is, st is established as High Minister and serves as Defender of his people. 
This is the story of Purim as it is told in the 10 chapters of the book of Esther. The turning point in the story of Purim is the opening verse of chapter 6, which reads, That night sleep eluded the king. Rabbi Yaakov ben Moshe Levi Molin called the Maharil, who is best known for his codification of the customs of the German Jews. He writes in his book, The Customs, that it is the custom for the reader to raise his voice for this verse. For this verse is, and I quote what he writes, the essence of the miracle, Ikar Hanes. The simple meaning is, as we explained, that this is the turning point of the story. However, a teaching of our sages gives us far deeper insight to the essence of this verse. That night eluded, sleep eluded the king, the Yalkut Shmoni, our sages say, this refers to the king of the universe. We're talking about God. That night sleep eluded God. In this lecture, we are going to explore the mystical depths of this concept. What does it mean that God is sleeping? What does it mean that sleep eluded God? And how did the Jewish people wake God up, causing that sleep should elude God? The verse in Genesis defines and God called the light day and the darkness he called night. This is seen in Kabbalah and in Hasidus to mean that day are the times of the holy temple when there was the revelation of God's divinity, light, in the world. And night refers to the times of exile when God's divinity is concealed from the world. That's darkness. This teaching talks as well of the day and the night as it refers to our service of God. There's a service that we do for God in day and there's a service of night. When we see God with the eye of our mind, perceiving God's presence and God's divinity, this is the service of day. However, in the times of exile, when the light is denied to us, then we serve God through our service of faith in God to survive the darkness of the night. Faith, which is darkness, begins where seeing and perceiving, which is light, ends. King Solomon in Songs says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. Simply speaking, the words I sleep refers to the Jewish people being in a state of sleep rather than in a state of spiritual consciousness and service to God. However, the Holy Zohar upon this verse defines the words to be speaking of God and explains, I sleep refers to God in exile. Thus, again we see that the definition of night is exile in which the revelation of God is hidden and thus God is, so to speak, in a state of sleep. The revelation and concealment of day and night become doubled by the concepts of this and that. Our sages explain that when a ver verse uses the word this, it is as if, and I quote what they say, one shows, points with his finger and says this. Revelation, pointing, seeing, this while using the word that is concealment. 
In the mystical teachings, we find great emphasis placed upon the wordings of our prayers. Whether the verse refers to God in the third person of He, like that, He is our God, or whether we speak to God in the first person, blessed are you, that's the this aspect. Thus we now have a double revelation and a double concealment. There is A, this day, B, that day, C, this night, and D, that night. Our verse from the book of Esther says, On that night, which is double concealment, the Baal Shem Tov, on the verse in Deuteronomy, which also uses a double concealment, the verse says, Hide, I will hide, twice, Hide, I will hide my face on that day. Baal Shem Tov explains that the double hide to mean that one level of concealment is when God is hidden from us and we know that we are in a state of exile. However, the double concealment, hide, hide, is that we are so deep in a state of exile that we don't re even realize that things are dark, bitter, and not the way they should be. The depths of this state of exile is defined as, by Isaiah, is defined as, Woe to those who say of the evil that it is good, and of the good that it is evil, who present darkness as light, and light as darkness, who present bitter as sweet, and sweet as bitter. So too, the depths of that night, the double concealment, that and night, in which we are oblivious to the reality that we are in darkness and exile. So we now have a mystical understanding of those words, that night, double concealment. We're in darkness, and we don't even understand that we're in darkness. Another mystical insight to this verse is that the teaching defines it to not only mean on that night, Hahu, on that night, rather the teachings, the mystical teachings read it to be specifically because of that night, sleep eluded the king. This means that the reason why sleep eluded, sleep eluded the king was because it was that night. It was brought about by that night. What does this mean? The more challenging introduction to our class is the very mystical definition as to why the infinite light of God is called infinite. Kabbalah defines the infinite light as, and I'm quoting the words of Kabbalah, above above to no end and below below to no finish. This means that the infinite light shines infinitely in both directions, above and below. Here too we have in each direction the double concept of above above and below below. Actually, in this mystical teaching, the two directions of flow of the infinite light, of the above and below, are the very concepts of day and night. Let me explain. The flow direction of below is the infinite light shining down into the world. This is the flow of revelation, which is day. The double below below are the two levels within day, which are the this day and the that day. The flow direction of above is the infinite light shining inward 
higher and deeper into its source. To our world here below, this reversed inward flow of the infinite light into its source is for us the experience of concealment, which is night. It is a reversed inward flow of concealing itself within its source, shining upward into the above rather than shining downward into the world. The double above above are the two levels of night, which are this night and that night. Now the primary focus of our lecture is to understand the infinite light's reversed infi inward light of above above, which are the this night and the that night layers, so that we can then understand the essence of the Purim miracle, which is, as the opening verse of chapter 6 says, on that night sleep eluded the king. Once we understand the double concealment of that and night, we can then appreciate the miracle of the ultimate revelation of sleep eluding the king on that night. Sleep, we explained earlier upon the verse, I am asleep, is exile and concealment. So sleep eluding the king is revelation. Sleep eluding the king on the double concealment of that night is what the essence of the Purim miracle is all about. This is the reason why the customs of the Maharil tells the reader to raise his voice when reading this verse. Let's define this a little bit. There is an ancient Chinese proverb that says, No light is complete without its shadow. I am not sure whether I fully understand what the ancient Chinese elders are saying with, this, with their proverb. However, I want to share with you what Kabbalah and Hasidus say about a similar concept. The infinitum of the infinite light is incomplete with just its infinite power of illumination to shine and to reveal itself, which is the flow of below, below to no end. The true infinitum of the infinite light is that it also shines in a reverse inward direction, above, above, to no finish, to greater and greater levels of infinite light, which is beyond the capacity of revelation. In the above, above flow of the infinite light, its infinitum does not express itself only in its infinite power of expression and illumination. Rather, it expresses itself in its infinite power of light to levels that are beyond any capacity of revelation that can be received by any receptacle. Thus, the very infinitum of the above above within the infinite light creates concealment rather than revelation. To understand this in a practical manner, the reason why we cannot look directly into the sun is because of its unbearable power of revelation, which is actually harmful to the eye rather than being helpful. What the receptacle eye needs is a pair of sunglasses to conceal the unbearable power of the sun's illumination to conceal from the human eye the light which is beyond its capacity to receive. This leads us to the simple purpose of concealment and contraction, known in the world of Kabbalah as Tzimtzum and Helam. It is in truth not for the purpose of concealment, but for the purpose of revelation. 
Let's return to the metaphor of the sunglasses. The reason for wearing sunglasses is not so that we can't see, rather it is that we should be able to see. The simple purpose of concealment is that we should be able to receive and absorb the revelation that is beyond our naked eye's power of reception. So once again, this level of contraction and concealment is an act of concealment for the sake of revelation, just like the sunglasses. This night, the way it exists within the infinite light, is the lower level of the double above above flow. It is night, which is concealment, for the sake of this, which is revelation. In the infinite light's multi-layers, it is the above layer of the infinite light which is yet within the grasp of and for the purpose of revelation. This is why, in the way it evolves and manifests itself here below in the physical world as darkness and concealment, this night is a darkness which is seen and experienced consciously as exile and darkness. In our physical world, the this night is the weaker state of exile, in which the person is not living in an illusion of double darkness where he believes darkness to be light and bitterness to be sweet. He sees, remember this, this is revelation, he sees that it is dark and bitter, night, situation, this night. He sees that it is dark and bitter. Now let us understand the second and higher level of above, within the above, above, to no finish. This is the deeper level, the deeper layer of a light's completion being through its shadow. We just discovered in the lower level of the above flow that the light is completed by its shadow because the shadow allows us to see the greater infinite side of the light, like the sunglasses, which is beyond the capacity to receive directly without a concealment. In this understanding, Light is still only about revealing and expressing itself to others. This is an interesting kind of twist upon the question, you may have heard this question, famous question, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, did it make a sound? Only here, in our Kabbalistic teaching, the question gets deeper. Being that our perception of light is for the sole purpose of illumination, so... If no one is there to see the light, is it still light? The real Kabbalistic wording to this question would be, if within light there is the reversed inwards flow of concealment, is it still light? There is a far deeper completion of the infinite light through its shadow, through its power of concealment. Our perception of light is more that of a verb than a noun, a noun. We perceive spiritual light as the action of revelation, and thus the shadow within the light, the concealment, the black hole, if you may, is not spiritual light. However, in the reality of divinity and spirituality of the infinite light isn't an action verb to be validated only by its being received as revelation and illumination. And illumination. The infinite light from a spiritual and divine perspective, it is a noun, as stated in the Kabbalistic explanation of the primordial existence. 
there was He, God. There was He and His name, the infinite light, alone. The infinite light isn't an action verb. Rather, it is a noun of existence. There was God and His infinite light. Where am I getting to with this? The completion of the infinitum of the infinite light as it exists on its own with no need of it being validated by its recipients receiving it is within its ultimate concealment of above above on its highest level in which contraction is not for the purpose of revelation rather it is true concealment for the sake of concealment this higher level of the reversed inward flow of concealment for the sake of concealment is the completion of the infinitum of the infinite light. I know this is getting a little mystical and difficult. You'll soon see it becomes so practical. This is the level of that night, a concealment for the sake of concealment. That concealment, night concealment. The way this highest level of the infinite light manifests itself as darkness, concealment, and exile within our world is as the lowest and deepest darkness of exile in which the person does not even realize that he is in darkness and that his situation is bitter. This is the that, which is the concealment of the individual not even knowing of his dire state of night, darkness, and exile double concealment he is in darkness and exile night and he doesn't even realize it that that night thus amazingly enough it is precisely the highest level of the infinitim of the infinite light it's above above of infinite concealment for the sake of concealment from which the lowest and deepest set of exile and darkness comes from the great spiritual that night of above above is the source of the that night of absolute darkness and exile here below. We will now explore and understand how our experience of the darkest that night here below connects us with the highest that night level above and how that propels us into an even higher experience of the miracle that on that night sleep eluded the king, which is the essence of the miracle of Purim. However, I want to take a break now from all the mystical deep concepts. And before we continue, I want to take a moment to see the mystical supernal dimension of that night in a practical psychological light. We explain that the higher level of that night is the level of the light that no one sees. It is the inner layer of light that needs no recipient to validate its existence. It is the essence of the infinite light that does not exist for a purpose of illumination. Rather, it is the infinitim of the infinite light as it exists within itself, within its concealment for the sake of concealment. Let's see how that works practically to us. Napoleon Hill, after spending a decade of research for his book, Think and Grow Rich, then went on to write another book, which is not as famous, called Outsmarting the Devil. The latter book is the completion of the first, 
in its being the shadow to the light of the first. In Think and Grow Rich, the first book, Hill explores and defines the principles that all successful people have in common. In the second book, Outsmarting the Devil, Hill speaks of why so many people are unsuccessful and how to outsmart the devil of unsuccessfulness. In this book, Hill speaks of his own devil being his needing to express himself. Hill speaks there of an artist who would write seething letters and put them in the mail only to have his wife secretly remove them from the mail. The artist's wife was his secret to success, for she was the one who outsmarted her husband's devil. Let's understand this. The nature of expression begets validation by its recipients. This is the devil that denies us success. The strongest act of self-sacrifice is described in the opening of the Code of Jewish Law, which states, do not be ashamed of the scoffers. The essence of this self-sacrifice is a person not needing to be validated by anyone. The power to have this self-sacrifice is the person knowing and accepting who he essentially is on his own for himself. This need of being validated works in either being validated with positive acceptance or in negative resentment. Depending on the character of the individual, either of these forms of validation would work. However, to us, in this exploration, the primary issue is that the individual is defining himself through him expressing himself to others, rather than through his beingness within himself. The above above to no finish of the infinite light, which is the highest completion of the infinite light, is in its beingness unto itself, in its concealment for the sake of concealment. So too within us, the ultimate highest completion of self in how we outsmart the devil of failure is through defining ourselves by the above above of our soul, by our beingness of who we essentially are. That's the practical the practical implication and teaching of this that night on its most highest level in the above above to no finish of the infinite light. Let us now return to the essence miracle of the Purim miracle, which is in the verse, on that night sleep eluded the king. The two stages of this night and that night, like everything else that exists in the universe, must manifest itself in how we serve God. On the physical level of this night, where we realize that we are in exile, darkness, and separated from God's revealed presence, our service to God is that of a deep yearning to be close to God. This yearning for closeness to God is the purpose of this exile and it is the remedy which brings about the redemption from the exile of this night. Now, the second level, on the physical level of that night, which is the physical manifestation of the highest spiritual level of the infinite light, our service to God is to meditate upon the concealment and exile itself. 
we must meditate upon the truth of the existence of the darkness of our exile. That night, in truth, is not an evil battle against God. Rather, it is the evolution of the highest level of the infinite lights above above, in which the essence of the infinite lights beingness rests. Our meditation upon the true spiritual source of the darkest exile of that night awakens within us our connection to our own essence beingness, which is our self-sacrifice in remaining loyal to our essence beingness, regardless of the persecution and darkness that surrounds us. Our self-sacrifice of loyalty to God, our essence beingness, is what awakens God on that night. It is because of our meditation upon the spiritual truth of that night that we awaken God. Thus, it is because of that night our meditation understanding of the highest levels of beingness of that night that sleep eluded the king. Now we can understand why this is the essence of the Purim miracle. The verse on that night sleep eluded the king is the paradox in which the ultimate essence beingness of the infinite light which is found only in the concealment for the sake of concealment is revealed. What a paradox! The concealment for the sake of concealment is revealed within our world as the revelation of redemption. This is the essence of the miracle in which the spiritual heights of the spiritual that night is revealed as a miracle of redemption within the physical world's darkest exile of that night. On that night sleep eluded the king. Okay, let us now sum up the Purim story as it is told Kabbalistically according to Hasidus. A. There is a darkest exile of that night in our physical world. Simply speaking, Haman had placed a decree to annihilate the entire Jewish people that night. Really dark in our physical world. B. The Jewish people meditated on the spiritual source of that night being the highest essence beingness of the infinite light. C. Their meditation connected the Jewish people with their own essence beingness of their soul, which manifested itself in their self-sacrifice to remain loyal to God regardless of the darkest decree of total annihilation that Haman placed upon them. Then goes D. The self-sacrifice of the Jewish people awakened God from the concealment of that night and created the essence of the miracle of on that night sleep eluded the king. To the essence, this leads us to E. The, to the essence beingness of God, concealment and revelation both equally coexist and therefore the paradox of the essence of the miracle is that the ultimate essence concealment is revealed to us here below and a miracle happens. In closing, the practical message of Purim and the empowerment that we take from Purim is that we see our Jewishness as the essence of our beingness and to calmly and quietly embrace it with absolute acceptance regardless of the chaos 
that is taking place in the world around us. Our doing so, our accepting, our being Jewish as the essence of our beingness, just calm and quietly accepting it, embracing it, it in return awakens the essence beingness of God to bring the essence of redemption to the world where the essence concealment will turn into a total essence revelation. So one should always remember that while the early bird gets the worm, the early worm gets eaten. Therefore, always live within your higher consciousness. <laughs>